It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. I mean, as, as big as they look on the tube, you don't see what's going on until you come here. And what we saw at Pleasure, what a name right now. But when, what we just saw, we just left Pleasure paradise. And, paradise. for Paradise. And what we just saw at, at Paradise is just, uh, you know, it's just not acceptable. Wait, that wasn't me. Not if I'm still David Leventhal and this is still Forward Nation Radio, which I think it is. And I am. No, in fact, I think that was our president, Donald Trump, continuing to answer life's most vexing questions. In this case, how would Adolf Hitler have looked if he'd managed to live long enough to suffer from advanced Alzheimer's? Yes, our president continues to display not only being an asshole, but having some serious mental illnesses. He's having some trouble with names. You know, Pleasure, California versus perhaps Paradise, California, which is where he was finally forced to go to to try to fake some empathy for the fact that scores of people have been killed there in wildfires. When he wasn't busy insulting them for setting the stage for their own deaths, he was managing to call them by the wrong name. Oh, speaking of calling by the wrong name, did you hear the one about Little Adam Shit? Yeah, that's right. The soon-to-be leader of the House Intelligence Committee, Democrat Adam Schiff, Donald Trump referred to in a tweet so humorously as little Adam shit. Get it? He is so funny. He absolutely must be the funniest kid in his whole elementary school. That's great. And Matt Whitaker, his new unqualified and criminal attorney general, did you notice that? Trump seems to alternate between I know him very well, he's a great guy, and don't know who the guy is, and oh yeah, I know him very well, and ooh, never heard of him, don't know who he is. But you know, one name Donald Trump always does seem to remember is that of Saudi crown prince and murderer Mohammed bin Salman. Yes, Donald Trump remembers his name and in fact always has his back, even in the face of reports from U.S. intelligence agencies like the CIA. Just this week, Trump said, we may never know all of the facts surrounding the murder of Mr. Jamal Khashoggi. In any case, our relationship is with the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. This is in the wake of a CIA report which confirmed what everybody except for the President of the United States already knew, which is that MVS is a murderer. It's not enough just to flush U.S. morals completely down the drain. No, Trump has to go a little bit further. In one part of the story that has been underreported, Not only does he side with a murderer against U.S. intelligence agencies and everybody else's intelligence agencies, no, he has to go further and describe this journalist, this dissident, this U.S. resident as an Islamist, falsely, he was not, and as an enemy of the state, which he was only if one considers that the state is a murderous crown prince. Yes, it wasn't enough that Donald Trump manages to cover for a murderer, he also has to smear, besmirch, and slander 
a dead journalist to boot. What a guy. Donald Trump once again demonstrates that he is not fit to lead civil society as he once again demonstrates that his supporters are not fit to live in one. Anyway, lots more news that we will have to get to next week because we are very excited to get to our special Thanksgiving show, which we're going to get to right now. I would like to introduce now our special co-host for today's episode, the co-associate director of the Honors Business and Liberal Arts program at Queens College, Stephen Leventhal. It's a pleasure being here with you, David. It's really funny that we have the same last name. No relation. Right. Okay. Thanks for joining us. The big question, of course, the aftermath of the election. Was it a big win for Democrats? It was a huge win for Democrats. It was an absolute blue wave. And part of the problem we had was we had some high-profile results that came in early. So it got people sort of negative to the Democrats. But as we see, well, with The six, Florida results primarily. And, and Georgia. And Georgia, Georgia, Georgia came in early. Right. Um, but as we have seen since the a week ago... The Democrats have so far picked up 36 seats, six seats still decided, so they're on track for close to 40. I mean, in my opinion, it's been a huge blue wave. It's been a great, it's been a great week. It's been a great two weeks after the election for Democrats. Yeah, it certainly has. I mean, all these close races are going Democrat. There's not one Republican congressman left in New England. Every single seat um, in New England is Democratic. Only one in New Jersey at this point. So the, the Northeast is clearly solidly blue at this point. Um, huge win for the Democrats. Huge win. I mean, winning the governors, governorships they did, especially in Wisconsin. Um, heading, in, heading into, um, how could we put it? The and season. Kansas. Winning Kansas. Beating yeah, Kobach. Right. Beating Kobach. You know, the Republicans still find a way to pick like the worst possible candidate in certain areas um and he was one of them even even kansas was disgusted with him so yeah huge blue wave for the okay democrats. but to be fair kansas kansas was disgusted even more so with the outgoing republican governor who had destroyed really obviously destroyed the kansas economy he pulled a pulled this big our, our listeners have heard this before but just to give background sam brownback had used Kansas since he had the governorship, they had the legislature. They used it as this great experiment to demonstrate how Republican supply side economics works. They slashed taxes on primarily on well on everybody, but on wealthy people, corporations, etc. Look to see how Republican policies and it absolutely devastated the state so much so that they had to dramatically increase taxes over the last couple of years. It was an absolute failure. It was even worse than that. They had a, a, a judge in Kansas who ruled them illegal because they pulled so much money out of education that they didn't have the requisite legal amount of money being spent on education. But, of course, does this mean Republicans aren't going to talk about supply-side economics anymore? <laughs> They'll always be talking about it. Right, Trickle-down works. And, and to be fair, the whole, the whole messaging works because that's true with the judge in Kansas. But it's also true of a judge in New York 15 years ago that we that, that New York City was held, New York State was held to not be complying with its constitutional duty to provide a basic education to students because of how poorly we were funding education. And we'll save this for another show. But you and I both work for CUNY. And um, this is this is pathetic. This is absolutely pathetic. And this is New York. You know, the two things we've learned or should have learned over over our history is that. 
Um, the greatest success we have is when we educate our people. I mean, this country went, uh, got incredibly richer and better standard of living right after World War II um, when we sent all our GIs to college. Okay? And we know that immigrants, um, look at the heads of most of the major companies or many of the major companies in the United States, they're immigrants. So what are we going to do now? We're going to cut education and we're going to keep people from coming into the country. And also post-World War II, our great economy, what else were we doing then? We were taxing rich people and corporations, which is something that we haven't done since Ronald Reagan. Whoa. And basically the, the difference there, that's right. This country survived when we taxed rich people to support programs for everybody else. And it is just remarkable that we managed to forget this. Well, you know, those damn Democrats, because, you know, they were the ones that, that put the upper tax bracket at 90%. Oh, no, wait a minute. That was a Republican, Eisenhower. Oh, silly me. <laughs> And then seventy percent, and whatever for for forty years, the top tax rate was over was over seventy percent in this country, and now the idea when Obama raised taxes to thirty nine point was thirty nine point six percent with the um, with the Obamacare supplement, it was it was socialism was taking over America. <laughs> well, it's really not socialism to be fair; it's fascism because who got the biggest break from the last one? Corporations, okay. And how's that working out for us? A lot of investment in corporations? No, not really. Not much at all. Okay. Well, all I said, when we look at the, was the election a big win? I, there's a sign of how divided this country is. On the one hand, there is, there's remarkable progress on issues. It's, it's remarkable. Socialism is not a dirty word in most spots of this country anymore. Not only was socialism a dirty word for our, the entirety, basically, of our lifetimes, liberal was a dirty word for the entirety of our lifetimes. And, and in, you now have the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes and, and, and around this country proudly saying they're democratic socialists. And there are a lot of people who are rising up in this country and saying that's the right thing to do. You know, you look at this election, and while I don't think there's much chance that Nelson will hold on, or will overcome the deficit in Florida, and, and he will not win. But you look at why, and the probability is that even though they're going to count these ballots, and there's, I guess, about 35,000 ballots, that he's hoping a machine error, because in Broward County, um, there were many ballots where the governor's race was filled in, but the machine did not show anything for the Senate race. Now, I don't think we're going to find it was machine error. More well, it sounds like it was the design of the ballot. Correct. There's a lot of concern there for our listeners. I know that, that, that the way the ballot was designed, the Senate uh, race was in a sort of really hard spot to find after everybody had seen all the other stuff. And so they think that, that 30,000 people may not have noticed it, which is also just, just how pathetic are we? Right, it's especially since after the 2000 debacle mm -hmm. in, in Florida, one of the things, one of the recommendations was that they never put a race below the instructions in the same column. And where was the Senate race? Right below. And if you see a picture of the ballot, you could really understand how people miss it. It's tiny. Um, it's way at the bottom um, of the first column after the instructions. And to be fair, it's hard to blame Republicans for this one. This was Broward County that designed this ballot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and the stupidity is unbelievable. When I voted in New York, it was the same thing. I forget what the, what the last race was, but the last thing on the ballot 
was after all the judgeships, which you didn't vote for because one, for the most part, there was no voting. It was one candidate running and they were running on every line, as we, we've pointed out before. But what does it say about democracy that a candidate is running on the Democratic line and the conservative line at the same time, not to mention also the Republican line? But you had to go through all those and, and keep persistent at it before you got to I forget what it was it may it may have it may have been the senate race or 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 my congressional race it was like the last thing and there at least it wasn't sort of hard to find but the way it was placed you could see how people might have just given up and said whatever and turned in the ballot right um on my ballot the the congressional race was it, it was it was vertical not horizontal so you so you you I mean horizontal rather than vertical in other words you moved across the ballot to market the the um, Florida ballot is a little different. They had columns that you had to move up and down in, so it was a little different design. But um, the last column in my ballot was the congressional race. Um, you know, after all these, uh, that must have been what it was in my too. It must have yeah, been. I, I think assume it was the congressional that's, that's race. Um, you know, and the absurdity of it is it I actually voted for a Republican on my ballot, who happened to have been my neighbor, is a nice guy. He was running on the Republican and Green Party ticket. <laughs> Okay, and the just another Republican, and green. the Democrat was running on the Democratic and conservative ticket. So, you know, where do you go with that? And this was this was. Do you remember what it was for? It was family court judge or something. Okay, like so you know, we all, of course, all the voters have so much knowledge about the different candidates and what's at stake in, in that case that uh, that you know that this is the kind of thing that shouldn't really matter all that much. Right, because <laughs> I mean, we know so much about circuit court. Now, judges. on the other hand, you wonder about the people in Florida, and you want to say, "Look, you know, there was so much money and so many ads about a Senate race. How do you miss it? You know, you could make that argument as well. But nonetheless, you know, these ballots are confusing, and 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 it, and it really is difficult, especially if you you were waiting online for two and a half hours. Right, in some cases, you get hours. tired waiting online all that time. Right. You know, we don't even have to get. You're into probably hungry. The the voter suppression deal that that went on, um, um, in certainly in Georgia, and you know, more institutionally, probably in in Florida, um, where, where you had, you know, just just a, a, a guy in Rick Scott who who sounded almost somewhat reasonable certainly by Republican standards, um, until we got to the end and he thought he might not win, where he just absolutely lost it. And later in the campaign, where he just became um, a Trump toady. If you've been following Rick Scott as governor of Florida for all these years, to be able to say that he sounded reasonable, at I least said as by far Republican as a Republican said, what, what a statement of what Republican standards are at this point. And this is, you know, this is, you said that the high profile races for, for many of us, certainly for me, my reaction, you and I both said going into this election, we're not gonna, we, we were talking ourselves out of disappointment, right? This is this is the usual, let's set the bar real low we are so Democrats. we're disappointed. Right. Well, no, but Republicans do this too. I mean, Republicans do this with their presidential candidates. Trump and Bush are so damn stupid and uninformed that whenever they say something that isn't incredibly stupid, they say, see, look at that. <laughs> so, I mean, that's always been the case of recent Republican presidential candidates just set the bar so unbelievably low that everything is is good news i've often i've often joked to my friends that i you know the me being a pessimist i'm the true optimist because i go through life only being pleasantly surprised whereas optimists go through life being unpleasantly surprised all the time but anyway the as much as we we set the bar low to avoid being really disappointed we obviously you just you have to look at this and say 
This is a, a political party that is a criminal organization. I argued on the show, I think, last week or the week before. This, the Republican Party, there should be a RICO action against the National Republican Party. RICO being racketeer influence corrupt organizations. They should be, they are, they are the freaking mafia. They are a criminal organization. This, this country is being run by criminals. The president of the United States and everyone in the cabinet is at best unbelievably incompetent and unqualified. And in almost every case, also an absolute criminal. So you look at this and you say, if the United States voter cannot reject this, if you can't reject this party under these circumstances, I understand that the road to win the Senate was real was a really uphill one. How the hell did any Republican get voted to anything in this country? And, you know, we look for, for these things to be optimistic, and I agree. There's so much to be optimistic about. This is a, a blue wave we haven't seen since at least the, the impeachment of Richard Nixon. It is remarkable that this would happen, and yet, Given what's going on in this country, they're they're fascists and they're criminals. How could we not reject this? My argument is that there really is no Republican Party anymore. The Republican Party doesn't exist. Um, it's the Trump Party, um, and you look at you look at the people in Congress, especially in the Senate, and you know you ask the question, or, or rhetorically one could ask the question, you know, if if this this thing that they put in as acting attorney general fired Robert Mueller today, would there be a constitutional crisis? Or would Mitch McConnell just gather the troops and say, look, we're all in with this guy. Doesn't matter. And, you know, just the fact that we would ask that question tells us where we are, where the Republican Party is. Not only that we would ask that question, but we damn well know what the answer is. The, The question would be, could they get like whatever the number's going to end? Could they get three Republicans in the Senate to switch sides? It's not a question that could they expect a political party to come out and say this is obviously not acceptable in the United States of America. But as we're, you know, we started the conversation talking about voter fraud and voter suppression. This is a political party that has no problem with stopping people from voting, refusing to count votes. What do they believe in? I, I mean, as you say, they're, they're the Trump party. But to be fair. This it is full Trump and they're full insane. But you know what? We're we're Bush and Cheney markedly markedly better. There's there's a movie coming out. I don't know if you if you're, they have a movie coming out Vice about Dick Cheney and the the maker of the movie Adam McKay I think I forget what movie he had previously made but but he but he directed the movie and I listened to him talking to somebody and they were they were asked him about Cheney versus Trump and they and his answer was Cheney Cheney was more Cheney I guess is really I should actually say even though people think I'm mispronouncing it that it's that guy was more evil and at least as fascist as, as Trump is this isn't new for the Republican Party this this part Mitch McConnell before Trump was was not allowing even a hearing on Merrick Garland this is what happens when you have a party who really has one overriding policy idea, and that's to lower taxes on wealthy people and corporations. Other than that, they don't believe really in anything, and their one idea is not popular in the country. So, you know, what else do they do? They can't, it's like they can't go out and sell their ideas. They don't have any ideas. They really don't have any. Just lower taxes on rich people. People don't like that, so we have to make up all this other nonsense. And as far as Cheney versus Trump, there's a big difference. The big difference is for however much power Cheney had, he was still the vice president, not the president. 
Well, so, no, for four years at least, he was the president. So, so yes. I mean, but I think even during the, the Bush-Cheney era, there were more, more reasonable Republicans than there are now. Okay. Um, there are not. That's okay. That that's true. I mean, that's gerrymandering or gerrymandering or whatnot. Is the 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 divisiveness in this country has clearly made the Republicans go full out insane. So that's true. I'm just not so sure that 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 the core of the party, Mitch McConnell, was still their leader in the Senate. Uh, I don't know who the hell their leader in the House was at the time, but whoever it was, he wasn't any better than Paul Ryan. It was Tom DeLay. <laughs> well, at least the ostensibly the leader. Right. And Tom DeLay, who, frankly, is just as evil as they come and not even a good dancer. But nobody probably got that joke. No. Tom DeLay was on, uh, what, Dancing with the Stars yeah. or something right yeah. before he went to prison? <laughs> so anyway, that, that was the joke. I'll give you a moment now to laugh. But um, when does this get utterly rejected by the American public. Okay, let's look at it a little bit more positively. Maybe this was the beginning of it already being rejected. I mean, more than 6 million people voted for Democrats than voted for Republicans in the last... It doesn't happen overnight. So maybe this is the beginning of things. Look, the, the, the Democrats are in, in many ways, a great position in the House. Okay, They can propose all this legislation. Okay, Now they can get it out. All these one, and at the same time, they can go after. They've already announced. They've already four committees have already announced that they are going to start looking into our acting attorney general. I don't remember who it was that basically said the Trump administration is going from B and C list people. Now they're on D list people. They can't even get the B and C people to work for them anymore. I mean, you know, that, was that Friedman? That was I don't one of the op writers one, in the somebody, Times this week. You know, it's, Maybe it was Krugman. It's 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 like where do they go? I mean, the people that they have running the show are just are just beyond belief. I, I guess it's just it, it is it's it, they are absolute incompetence. You look at the people in this administration; they're absolutely either crooks or incompetence. It's forget the constitutionality of this Whitaker becoming the attorney general. You look at this guy's background. You look at how remarkably and spectacularly unqualified he is, he is to be attorney general. And again, you think who who could support this? Who? who what are voters like? They now, the latest Fox News isn't pure enough for them anymore because they, they supported CNN's effort to get Jim Acosta's press pass back. So there's a revolt among among Fox News viewers that Fox News is not reliably conservative. They have to go, they have to go full Limbaugh. Well, well, what was the latest with, with oh, Trump, Trump and, and Sean Hannity? <laughs> that Trump is upset with with Hannity because he kisses his ass so a little much, too much. That, he, that he can't even get angry. Trump, <laughs> Trump says, angry. I do well with friction. And when I come onto your show, all you're doing is, is lubricating me. There's no friction there. And that's, I'm over-lubed by Sean, by Sean Hannity. It is, it, you know, you hope things change over the long term but historically democrats just don't stay that active for that long and the republicans stay angry and upset a lot longer than the democrats stay energized and the democrats will find some reason why they're not in love with their next presidential candidate and they'll stay home and trump will win it's just they're insane and i'm not allowed to call them fucking morons on the show and it's been as you know it's eating the hell out of me <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you are you are really uh, more pessimistic than anybody I know. I I tend to look at this 
thing a little bit more optimistically than you do. I mean, if we had gone in, if you had said the day before the election, the Democrats are going to pick up close to 40 seats in the House, flip several governorships, and lose one or two seats in the Senate, would you take it? Um, we would have all been in for taking it. And that's where we are. Okay, so, you know, will Democrats stay together? And maybe, maybe not. But, you know, there's so much anger out there now. And let's face it, it's not like Trump is going to change and become more normal over the next two years. I mean, this guy is literally in panic mode right now. He is he is terrified <laughs> about what's going on with Mueller. Okay, um, so, you know, who knows where we go from here? Two years is a long time, but I can't imagine that things will change so much that the Democrats will not be angry and not be out in force. And one of the great stories of the election, which really hasn't gotten a lot of press, was that Latinos finally came out and voted. Okay, And, and that was, that was, that was a, a, a big change over, over past elections. So, you know, maybe we are, um, you know, we're going to face a continuing resolution when Trump is already saying if they don't give him border, his border wall, he's, he's going to, you know, you know, bring it on. It, it, at this point... Democrats are in a good position. And we're going to be reading about how Democrats should play nice. They shouldn't threaten to shut down the government and whatever else. To what extent should the Democrats be playing nice? The Democrats shouldn't be playing nice. I'm not quite sure what you mean by nice. The Democrats should should do two things. One, they should do all the oversight in the House that should have been done in the past administration. They should have all these committees. Okay, we're agreed on that. This, this idea should, that they shouldn't be obsessed with impeachment investigation. They should that's not be bullshit. obsessed with impeachment. But they should, but, they but they should, should be investigating what, that's the right. hell out of this. That's right. Okay. Absolutely investigating the hell out. Doing it correctly um, and as adults. They should not Cory Bookerize their their investigations and use it to grant stuff. So more along the lines of like a Devin Nunes kind of investigation in the House. <laughs> no, more along the kind that I think Gerald Adler will do. Okay, okay, not grandstanding, but let's get the facts. The facts themselves will the facts will speak for themselves, and and they should be passing all the legislation they talked about. They should strengthen Obamacare. Okay, send it to the Senate. Okay, they should change the tax code. Send it to the Senate. Okay. All these things should be done. Okay. These are the things. They should investigate the Saudi Arabia. All of the things that they should be doing and send all these bills to the Senate and let the Senate either deal with them or not deal with them. Send them to Trump. And there are ways, there are things that they could agree on. The Democrats should come up with a very solid infrastructure bill, which includes raising the corporate tax and taxing wealthy people. And let it go to the Senate and let them reject it. Okay. Or... Come to compromise. Let the Republicans go on record as vetoing everything, as stopping everything. Exactly. That mostly people believe in. Right. So, and they should start with health care because if there's one thing this election showed us, all these Democrats that flipped these seats, they ran on strengthening Obamacare. Boy, have we come full circle from two years after Obamacare was passed when the Democrats got creamed because of it. Now people are wising up. Okay. And you say people can't get smarter. Well, they have gotten smarter. Okay, and this is a huge issue. I didn't say they can't get smarter. I'd say, in <laughs> fact, I said there are some. There are a lot of reasons to be optimistic. The fact that we socialism is not a dirty word. The fact that Medicare for all is actually something that people are talking about in polite conversation, even as late as Obama. As Obama, when Obama was considering Obamacare, this was true with Clinton too. When he was looking to reform the healthcare system, they told their people consider everything, but you cannot consider a single-payer system. We will never sell it to America. We will never get it through the insurance companies. And 
even just a few years later now, the fact that we're able to talk about this, unfortunately, just a sign that you wonder how this country holds together. That We are so divided spectacularly between people who really are looking forward and more thoughtful and want a better country and want to care about other people and are upset, for instance, about babies being ripped from their mother mother's arms and an entire political party and its adherents, its supporters, who have absolutely no problem with that because those people were brown. I don't believe that that's all the people there, and I do believe we peel them off, at least some of them, certainly on immigration. Okay, But um, I think that the problem we have in this country, and one of the reasons we're so divided, is that there are a lot of issues everybody does agree on, but we've become so tribal it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Okay, that that literally, you know, you could argue the percentages, 30%, 20%, whatever it is, are literally lemmings, okay? Um, you know, and if, and if Trump told them, like, follow me and jump off the cliff, they would all do it. They're that, doing it. Well, no, but I mean literally <laughs> jumping off the cliff, okay? Um, but I do think that Democrats can pull a lot of these people, okay? A lot of the people that, that you know, really don't believe in this, and and pull them to their side. Maybe not 30%, but you know what? There's always, look, you know, Richard Nixon, the day he resigned, had what, 25% approval rating? So, you know, there's going to be 25% of the people or 30% of the people that it just doesn't matter. So don't worry about it. Well, so we're, we're obviously in agreement. I certainly hope the Democrats are in agreement. What seems to be the basic premise is the Democrats in the House need to show that they want to govern and they can govern and they will govern and they need to do every, pass everything that they can that, that, are, that is popular, that is consistent with their agenda and let the Republicans defeat it. And so the next question is, why are the two political parties so, so situated so, so much the opposite when it comes to this? The Republicans certainly during the entire Obama presidency, knew that their path back to political power was to stop everything and do nothing. So why why are the parties so different there? Money. The, the money coming from different spots. I mean, the, the donors to the Republican Party just put so much pressure on them. I mean, you just look at the influence the NRA has. I mean, is there anybody in this country who really doesn't believe in some form of gun shouldn't be in the hand of everybody? Do you, could you find anybody that doesn't think that criminals and people with mental health should not be able to own guns? Okay, but the the money and and the 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 organization of some of these groups is such that it keeps Republicans in line. And apparently works with their voters, though. It wouldn't work with Democratic voters. Why does it work with Republican voters? Republican voters are different. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean I'm trying no, to get you to say what no, I'm not allowed no, to say. Like, no, it's, 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 look. They believe look, in if cults. We looked, if we looked at the far or the 25% of Republican voters who will vote for him no matter what, the odds are there are a lot of bigots. Okay. There are a lot of very uneducated people. Okay, um, it's just a fact. Somewhat, you know, the, the yeah, it's not the, even the odds are. It's a fact. Yeah, the the <laughs> the, fact. the 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 portion of our country who has not participated in the success of this country and the wealth of this country over the past twenty or thirty years okay? are and really the, angry at the people who are trying to fix yes. that. Yeah. Well, yes. In some respects, yes. Okay, but then, you know, look, look at what... Look what look happened what, in Kansas. Now we're back to Kansas, look, maybe. No, no, look what Trump ran on as president. 
You know, he ran as a populist. He's not governing as a populist, but he ran as a populist. Okay, so that's why these people voted with him. And sooner or later, okay, dissatisfaction will come in. You're already starting to see it in some of his big air. Look, farmers aren't thrilled with him. They're, they're sitting, how many soybeans are sitting and rotting in warehouses because of his trade practices? Okay, you know, so I do really believe I'm more optimistic than you with that, that people will realize um, at some point that, look, this guy isn't doing um, um, what he said he was going to do. And look, Democrats didn't handle it well. I mean, Democrats, um, there was this sense that they were looking down on people who were not successful. And, you know, there's probably some truth to that. Okay, um, in certain and areas, if there isn't look, truth, that it doesn't matter because Fox News and the Wall Street Journal course. editorial page will tell them that it's true and they're going to believe it's true in part well, because they're minute, projecting and they know it's true. So two we might as well look down on them because they're going to think we're looking down on them anyway. Two different things here. I'll agree with you with Fox <laughs> News. Um, I don't think the Wall Street Journal opinion page is read by Trump's core supporters. No, on, Trump's on core side. supporters, well... Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> I said. I said on last week's show, the Wall Street Journal editorial page is Fox News for people who can read. But um, that obviously that's excluding a lot. We can we can agree with the with the basic premise, and I suppose maybe there's there's only a little bit of disagreement as to slight numbers that you've got whatever it is twenty five percent, twenty eight percent, thirty percent who are so my term not yours brain dead that there is absolutely nothing that will go on that will that will cause them to think and get outside. You know, the question I, is how I'm many percentage sure that that's above brain that? dead either. I think the 25 or 30%. Okay, the the core issue with them is immigration. Okay, it, those are the bigots. These these are the people that they don't care what else happens. Okay? Just don't let those people in. Okay, and you know, and this is why we have all the white supremacist groups and everything else coming out of the closet, if you will. Okay, because these and they've always existed, and I'd say they're the same twenty five percent that stayed with Nixon. Okay, and they'll stay with with them because as long as they feel that the Republican Party and since Nixon's Southern strategy, you know, has been the party that is for bigots. I am not saying that Republicans, all Republicans are bigots. All I'm saying is if you are a bigot, you're a supporter of the Republican Party. As I've said in class a long time, and I'm sure on this show, I'm not saying all Republicans are bigots either. What I am saying is without a huge turnout in the bigot vote, the Republicans don't ever win an election. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why, you know, we have what we used to call dog whistles. I'm not even sure they're dog whistles anymore. Right. They're just blatant. Right. One, one good thing about Trump is... He's he represents what the Republican Party has been for a long time, but he's at least more blatant about it. So they pulled it out into the open a little bit. The Republican Party has been this bigoted for a really long time. That's been true of, Repu- of a lot of Republican voters for a long time. And now it's undeniable. Right. And the question is, you know, did, was the backlash to that um, part of the reason why and I think it probably was that so many suburban women who clearly always voted Republican in the past voted Democratic this time. Was it like, okay, you know, I can't be associated with this. You know, people who were, were what we might call, you know, Rockefeller conservatives or, you know, for the money, um, you know, clearly rich people, um, would they say, this This is just so disgusting, I can't I can't be a part of this. So for every bigot that they, they brought out to the polls, maybe, maybe they brought one out for the Democrats too. What is this world coming to that, that suburban housewives are no longer voting the way their husbands are telling them? 
That was a joke. <laughs> That's this. I see now Hillary Clinton. Yeah, Hillary Clinton got in trouble with that. With that thing, yeah, they all look alike. <laughs> so you have to sort of say afterwards, that was a joke, or that was ironic, or that was... Look, and, and that's something you should talk about on another show, is just, I mean, you look now, I mean, is there anything starker than when you look at the makeup of the House of Representatives, and you look at the Democrats, and you look at the Republicans? I mean, you just say, you know, how much life is left in the Republican Party? I mean, they're all old white people. I looked white on men. last week's, they're all, at least white men. I, I talked on last week's show, there was a remarkable graphic that I had seen at some point on TV after the election about the incoming House freshmen. And the Republicans had 31 incoming House freshmen. 30 of them were, my, were white men. <laughs> and I think the, uh, the, the, they had um, a Republican woman um, who just lost her race. They just called the race for the Democrat in California, in Orange County, I think. Um, you know, which is truly amazing because I don't think there's now, I don't think there's a Republican coming out of Orange County. You know, the, the Ronald Reagan homestead, you know, it's all Democratic now. I mean, right, I Dana Rohrbacher lost right. the seat. What a shame in California. <laughs> well, to, to be fair to him, he's got, he's got um, a good future now. I, I hear he's, he's going over and he's going to be an advisor to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if not, he'll be an advisor to the Koch brothers. Right. So the, the the place, or or he'll be a consultant on Fox News, the place where there's there's always a place for old white conservatives um, pushing the pushing the agenda for rich people in America. Um, okay, so that's what what should Dems do now? Um, where we stand is it where the Republican Party stands? Just before we go, uh, Thanksgiving is coming up, or maybe for our listeners, passing. Uh, what do you think? What are you thankful for this Thanksgiving? What should we be thankful for? Well, I'm personally thankful that my wife is having 16 people over and, um, none of them are Republicans. So I'm really <sighs> thankful for that. Um, so. see, this is, this is just what people are saying. You know, this is what happens when people, when blue people refuse to associate, don't even associate with Trump supporters. No wonder they think so little of us. It is remarkable, right? Right, it is remarkable, you know. And to be fair, um, I believe last year I had a couple of Trump supporters at my Thanksgiving table. Uh, and so, how do we? Uh, how how did? I don't even remember this. How did we deal with Trump support? How do you deal it. with? How did the, the question being asked? Of course, all across America, for people who aren't as lucky as us, and actually have relatives who support this or friends who support this, what do you do with Thanksgiving dinner when you have Trump supporters over? Talk about the Giants. <laughs> yeah, because that's something we can all agree on. Exactly. Talk about New York sports. <laughs> exactly. You just you just don't talk about it. I have passed the stage, and I I admit that I am one of the last pe- people in our family to think this way. Where I am done trying to convince anybody. I'm done trying to have rational arguments. There is no rational argument you can have now. So you're a Trump supporter. Fine. Let's not talk about politics. Let's talk about sports. Maybe we could talk about something there. There's just, there's no place to go. With You're this. not the last one in your family to feel that way. I've said for a long time that I, that our family members, more distant family members who are Trump supporters, I just don't want to have anything to do with them. No, no, Clearly, but I'm the last to say to that we them. shouldn't have anything to do with them. In other words, now I'm coming to your side. Oh, 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 oh. and that's, I thought, okay. So yeah, just, just, well, I mean, my feeling all along about this, and I will take issue, I really, 
I, I understand that. You want to have Thanksgiving. It's a holiday. You want to have fun. The problem is if we keep not engaging, we keep not addressing this. I mean, isn't one big problem with American politics the fact that we don't talk about it all the time? We don't talk about it enough. We don't we don't require people to be able to speak intelligently about politics. Shouldn't isn't this the kind of stuff we should be talking about when we get together with groups of people? Um, yes, in would theory, be, yes. yes in, be. Right, literally in theory, because you know how how do you talk about some of these issues when, first of all, that most Republicans will not agree to facts. Facts don't exist. Okay, it's whatever Donald Trump says. That's the fact. I mean, what are you going to talk about? I mean, what subject is it that you could talk rationally? You know, could you talk about um, immigration rationally? Maybe, maybe, but I'm not sure you could even do that. I mean, what could you talk about? I, I have no answer. Well, I really the, don't. This is why I've argued for a long time. The best solution is just not to have them over anymore. Just say, I don't, I don't agree with you. I don't like what, uh, whatever. I, you're supporting fascists right now. You are supporting the end of American democracy, and I do not tolerate that, and you are not welcome at my house anymore. You know, the, the, from a personal point of view, the, the horrible thing is, every time I meet somebody now, my first thought is, are you a Trump supporter? I mean, you know, it, and that's a horrible, horrible way to, I, I mean, uh, to me, I saw the, the worst sight I could ever imagine. Okay, I went down to the tennis court so I played tennis and a Prius came in and he had a Trump sticker on the Prius. And, and I felt so let down. Like, how could this be possible? I'll give you a worse sight. A, a Prius with a Trump sticker and a union sticker. <laughs> no, no, that's easier. That's easier because you just you just throw that person out. I mean, well, just, you just say that's thing, so absurd. Same thing with the right. look. Let's face it. At this point in time, the guy has a Prius so he can drive in the clean pass lane along on the expressway. Right, there's enough. no actual. There's yeah. no actually belief that I should be behaving responsibly. Jeez, I, I wonder who you're talking about. This could be talking about a whole lot of people. <laughs> I'm talking about a whole lot of people. Anyway, how about those giants? <laughs> <laughs> even can't even, even our sports team can't even lose right. <laughs> they're in the they're they don't realize that the one bowl they are they are playing for is the draft pick bowl. <laughs> and so while other teams are throwing in the towel, the Giants are gonna start are gonna start fighting to get a few wins and drop six places. You know, you saw order. an unbelievable sight at the end of that Giant San Francisco game. I didn't. No, the great <laughs> sight was the no, an amazing sight. Both teams we're really happy with the result. <laughs> right. They were both high fiving. <laughs> All right. Well, that's today's show. Thanks for joining us, Stephen Leventhal. No relation. We uh, uh, join us on a future show. And for our listeners, as always, thanks you. Thanks to you for joining us. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. If this is up and you are listening to it before Thanksgiving, otherwise, I guess get an early start on uh, Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas and any other holiday you might be celebrating. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're talking about Forward Nation Radio at your holiday table. That's a good way to approach Trump supporters. And we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 